Hey, Nora. I want to try this new thing. Okay, okay. You, you're right for it? Okay. Um, so it's a random generator. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, first letter of your middle name. Okay. So your podcast will have skits in it. Oh, oh I see. It's one of these things. Yeah. That's, that's, that's um, fun. That's so fun. day of birth. Okay, yeah, we'll let that up. Mm-hmm. Oh, there yeah. it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. So you yeah, I need to talk about things that you've played, like video games, board games, stuff like that. Oh, okay, okay. I see. And okay. then we and look up. Month. Yeah, the month. Yeah. Um... Oh, so that's, uh, that's things we've watched. That's the one, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then, let's, what see, let's give mine a look. So, yeah. Uh, oh, which, which middle name? Uh, we'll go oh, with that. Just yeah, we'll one, go yeah. with that one, yeah. Okay, um, so yeah, things we have listened to. Yeah. And then my birthday, that is, ooh, Silly Voices. Ooh. And then birth month, and that is Two Queer Translators. Ooh. We've got everything we need. For a queer and pleasant strangers. Yeah. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura K. Dale. And I'm not Jane Eris Magna. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that podcast where two queer trans ladies have a bit of a natter and catch up and talk about our weeks and whatnot and do skits and silly voices. Mm. How are you doing this week? I'm sleepy. When are we not sleepy? Um, I've had just, just, I think I've been drinking like giant cups of sleepy bitch juice this week. It's that big Just like m- those gallon. Yeah. Need a little trolley to just push the thing around, it's, just a big straw. It's that big millennial mood. Mm-hmm. Mm. Too much sleepy bitch juice. Yes. So, yeah. So, should we, should we talk about what we played this week? Let's talk about, well, let's leap straight in. Okay. Leap in, no fucking about. No what fucking have we about. played? Um, so, I can't talk much about it yet, but I've started playing Pokemon Sword and Shield a little bit. Um, I, I've... Barely left the first town. I've barely left Route One. I've been running around in circles trying to learn about how um, Teddy Ursa confirmed. Uh, <laughs> trying to learn about how spawning works in the game. Um, so Pokemon Sword and Shield. For anyone who doesn't know, it's the new Pokemon games. They they're on the Switch. They're the first sort of like main RPGs on the Switch. And um, I've spent most of my time running around in circles trying to find out like if how I make shiny do. If I yeah, <laughs> trying to work out how how make that shiny do. So. From what I can tell, and I've yet to personally confirm this myself, but it certainly seems to be the case that shinies don't appear shiny on the overworld, even though this Pokemon game has overworld spawning Pokemon, which is a real shame. Um, like I've yet to encounter a shiny myself to verify this myself, but this seems to be the case. Um, that's a real shame, because one of my favourite things about Pokemon Let's Go was shinies appeared shiny on the overworld. It's, it's how I stumbled upon a shiny Zubat in... Mount Moon and got myself into a year of shiny hunting. Um, does, does capture chaining work? Uh, there is no capture chaining, okay. or at least if there is, they do not tell you that that's right. a thing. Maybe it's running in the background and we don't know. Mm-hmm. This is the problem with trying to learn how these like these kind of mechanics work. Yeah. Um, so we do know that there is a uh, there is a shiny charm at the end of the game, which is a thing that doubles your shiny odds if you have a full Pokedex. Okay. Um, but beyond that, we don't know much. Um, the starters can't be shiny when you get them at the start of the game, but they can when you breed them, so okay. that saved me from having to soft reset my game hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of times before I even got to start it. So that's that's honestly a thing I'm happy about. Hoping for that one shiny score, bunny. Yeah, so stuff spawns uh, visibly on the overworld, and unlike Pokemon Let's Go, where if you saved the game, closed it, 
completely reopened the game, different stuff would be there. It didn't like persistently save what was, you know, visible on the overworld at that moment. This does save that, and that includes things like Pokemon that have like special boosted stats that appear slightly different on the overworld. Um, so that might be something that could be helpful for shiny hunting, is save between absolutely every encounter or save before you encounter each overworld visible Pokemon. So if it's a shiny, you can presumably, I've yet to test this, re-attempt that shiny encounter if it's something that teleports away or explodes. So that could be cool. Um, but putting aside all of the I've just been running around in a field for ages, um... It, I've, I've, uh, there's been a lot of people online complaining that they don't think the game looks good in trailers. They're like, oh, it's just a 3DS game upscaled or whatever. I'm like, no, this is a really nice looking game. It's got a really beautiful little art style to it. Uh, everything's very full of character. Everything's uh, nice and fluid. Uh, everything's beautifully lit. Great colours. Um, soundtrack's been fantastic. Honestly, it's it's a Pokemon game. Um, they've made some nice quality of life improvements that I'm already starting to notice. Things like giving you a bunch of money and a place to purchase uh, outfits right from the start so that from literally the first half hour of the game you can be like, right, how do I customise my character to look how I want them to look, which is nice. Can you um, dress up your Pokemon as well this time? Uh, no. You can't dress up your Pokemon and you can't have them run behind you like you could in... This, this is honestly like early on. 7 out of 10, worst game ever. <laughs> honestly, early on my biggest complaint is... Why did they just throw away a bunch of the coolest stuff that Pokemon Let's Go did? Like, being able to have Pokemon run around behind you, having shinies visible in the overworld, um, there's just like, there's things that. Let's Go is for filthy casuals! But, but like, they've got all the models and they know how to make them walk around the overworld. They've yeah. got them appearing in the overworld. Why not just have that same model track behind you? It Game does not seem like no. it would be extra work. Game Freak says no. Game Freak does say no. Um,. And there is at least a couple of, like, very weird design choices that, like, I can't understand what the reasoning for them is. So one of the big selling points of this game is something called the Wild Area, which is basically imagine a couple of regions from Breath of the Wild. Um, it, oh, so there's Bacoblins attacking you and <laughs> if, Blood Moons occasionally. Um, if Bacoblins were Onyxes or something, or Gyaradoses, perhaps. All the Pokemon you've, you've, you've already captured will be... Like respawn when the blood moon comes, <laughs> but they'll be you know upgraded to shinier versions. It's 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 a big open world space so that you're not just running down a linear corridor. Pokemon spawn there at different times and different weathers and whatnot. Um, so it's a really cool idea, and I was most excited about that because I was like, oh heck, just just a big non-linear space where I can waste a bunch of time looking for Pokemon. That's going to be great. Mm. Um, there's a really weird design decision, and it's basically. Uh, when you first get to this wild area, which is like within the first like hour or so of the game, you can only catch Pokemon that are up to level twenty. And there are Pokemon that you because one of their selling points was oh if you just you know head off in a certain direction, which isn't the town where you're supposed to go, you might find really strong Pokemon. And I was like oh that's really cool. Presumably you won't be able to use them for a certain amount of time because gym badges usually gate what level your Pokemon will obey you up to. So that seemed like the logical thing was, okay, if I see a Gyarados and I want to have it, I can go catch it and then just wait until I'm a strong enough level to use it. No, they don't even let you try and catch them. I'm like, hmm. It's, it's the one thing that makes me kind of happy that it doesn't seem like shinies appear shiny on the overworld. Because it's like, I'm not going to have to see a shiny off in the distance and go, that's too high a level for me, I'm not allowed to have it. 
Um, so it's a weird. That's a weird design decision they made. Um, and do you, do you feel that it's like genuinely a problem, or maybe if they'd reflavored it slightly, it would. No, I, maybe, maybe like. Because you thing, said it was something like they they're just like it has not lowered its guard to you yet. Yeah, it is the thing. Re- regardless, I think I would have been disappointed by it because they've talked so little about the wild area, but it's the main thing they keep showing off. Like every time they promote this game, they're like, the cool thing about it is this big area where you can go where you want and you can stumble into stuff that might be too strong for you. Like that was their selling point, yeah. and they made it sound like it was going to be Breath of the Wild esque, like. You know how in Breath of the Wild, it's going to be real difficult, but if you want, you can just wander off to where the final boss is? Yeah. It sounded like this is what that area was going to be. Do you want to go wander off and find some level 60 Tyranitars wandering around when you're a level 5? Sure, if you've got a plan of how you're going to do this, go ahead. Um, uh, Even it's... if they've made them to the point where they would just total party wipe you. Well, that's... Rather than going, the thing has decided does not want to be thing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 just a bit of a letdown from the setup that they seem to imply it was going to be. Um, also, there's like the other weird design decision is the ability to tweak your audio settings in the menu of like I want to turn down the Pokemon Battle Cry sounds or like to to tweak the the balance of your audio. Yeah. yeah. Is not a thing you have as a default. You have to go find a random NPC. Oh, sorry, what? <laughs> a, a non a non critical NPC in one of the towns, who will just give you an item that is some some magic headphones, and when you have that item, then that I, that that setting unlocks in the menu. Yes, yeah, there's some weird fucking design decisions like that. How so, many other menu options are hidden with random NPCs? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, like because one thing people have been asking about is. Uh, experience share. One per one Pokemon battles, the whole team gets experience. Yeah, yeah. There are some people who would like to turn that off, and in previous games you could, and you don't seem to be able to in this one. And there are people like I, I'm wondering now, like, do I have to go back and talk to every single NPC in this game? Because maybe maybe the option to turn that off is somewhere. You just have to talk to a person. Maybe it's it's weird, but putting that all aside, <laughs> like. I I know I'm saying a lot of like weird nitpicky things and the, like these are the things that are Putting different. Putting that all aside, these... I'm knuckles deep and I'm going to just be playing for another 400 hours uh, at least. Yeah, th- <laughs> th- this is it. Like I, I these are the things that are different and are notable and are worth talking about. But yeah. strip it all away. It's a very shiny looking Pokemon game with a bunch of fancy visuals. The towns look fantastic. Um, like if. Everything's not on these sort of like um you know how some Pokemon games like say Let's Go Pikachu have very like boxy layouts of like go down the path and here you go and it's all from one static yeah. camera angle. This feels a lot more like go through winding winding areas and there's big stretches that open up. Um all of the houses seem like as as far as I can tell, I think all of the buildings are enterable. Um they everything just it feels like a much more fleshed out world. Yeah. It feels a lot more like going on this big journey. There's a lot of stuff I really do like about it. They they set up from the very start of the game. Uh, usually the Elite Four champion is someone that, you know, you meet them when you get to the Elite Four and you're like, oh, I guess you're the strongest trainer. From this, they set them up from the beginning. The beginning of the game is, here is the strongest trainer in the whole region. Uh, they're your friend's older brother. They give you your starting Pokemon. Maybe one day you'll beat me, but I'm undefeated. Come, come, have a go if you think you're good enough. And it's like, oh, oh, I, f- 
I've got something to work for now. Um, oh, the, all the character designs of the NPCs are really nice, and I really like a lot of the new Pokemon designs. Like, I'm going to stay spoiler-free for people listening, but there's a lot of really cool designs of Pokemon in this game. Um, I'm The variety seems really good early on as well. Like, you're not locked into really boring stuff early on and the cool stuff late. Like, they pepper in things that people are like, oh, that's the thing I want. Like, pepper them in nice and early, which is nice. Um, yeah, I... For all of my little nitpicky complaints here and there, and, like, granted, I'm still real early on in this game because I did not get offered uh, early review code like some outlets, but I could see myself getting lost in this for quite a long time. Mm. Um, there is a lot I want to mess around with still, but my early impressions are, like, I'm baffled by some of their choices, but I really don't care right now. Yay! It's a new Pokemon. Awesome. Uh, I will have probably more in-depth thoughts next week. Prepare for, for this to be like a 30-minute segment next week. Yay! Enthusing about the Pokemon. Yeah, the will, very hype. next week I may just waffle for a while. So I and then we'll go. Mmm, mm, yes, yes. Squirrel bunny, squirrel bunny, Wooloo. Indeed, squirrel bunny is adorable. Uh-huh. So uh, is Wooloo. Indeed, Wooloo is adorable. Is it? What else have you played? Uh, oh, what else have I played? Uh, I've been playing some Planet Zoo, Ooh. which I did a review of for Polygon. Go check that out on Polygon. Yeah, you should go check that out. So, That's very good uh, it's it's one of them sort of management sim type games where you you build it, it's sort of like your roller coaster tycoon type thing where you you make a you make a space, have it operate. Hopefully, it runs at a profit so you can afford to make more elaborate things. The cycle sort of continues. Yeah, but it's about building a zoo, and as such, uh, the fact that this game has very very pretty realistic visuals very much helps to get invested in the fact that, oh my god, if I fuck this up, there's going to be some real sad hurt animals and that's going to be bad. Yeah, I saw the whole thing about the campaigners. Yeah, yeah, no, if if you don't look after your animals right, protesters will come in and start protesting your zoo. And, like, sure, the first time that happened, I felt like a shit person, but equally I was like, thanks. Thank you for helping. Yeah, no, thank you for holding me accountable, and also thank you for telling me what I was doing wrong, because I knew my crocodiles were sick, but I couldn't fucking work out why. Yeah, it sounded like some of those menus were a bit obtuse. Yeah, the game the game is not always great at telling you what's gone wrong. Like, there's there's too many menus laid across too many areas of the screen, and things are split too much across them, so you're having to go back and forth between these menus. And there's no sort of just click between Yeah, menus. yeah. And sometimes something will be wrong, and it will tell you something's wrong, but it won't tell you what, and if you can't work it out, you know. Uh, well, but it's really adorable, though. And one thing I really like about this game is the focus on animal conservation as a big part of the zoo-making experience, both in the story mode and the challenge mode. A lot of what you're trying to do is uh, r- rescue animals from 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 places where like it's very clear that, like, okay, this is not you going out into the wild and going... That animal, I'm taking it out the wild for my zoo. It's this generally is some dickhead celebrity bought yeah. a tiger. It's it's usually stuff like yeah, some ti- some some dickhead celebrity tried to get a tiger through customs. We seized it at customs and went, look, this animal's really endangered and it's probably not in a great state to go back into the wild right now. Let's put it in a zoo, focus on you know g- getting it healthy enough that it can have offspring and maybe return some of its healthy endangered offspring back into the in into the wild. Hmm. 
Uh, there's a lot of stuff about conservation efforts. Um, you have to really, like, make sure that your animals are happy and well looked after in terms of habitat, but also, like, mental stimulation. Oh. Uh, if you've got toys for your animals to keep them entertained, you have to swap them out every now and then because they'll get bored of the same, the same thing. You've, yeah, you've, you've got to make sure that, like, you're doing proper upkeep, that you're not putting... Uh, that you're putting their needs a a ahead of the needs of the public to see the animals. Yeah. Like, first and foremost, you have to look after the animals. Mm -hmm. um, it really does seem like it wants to be a game about looking after animals properly. Good. Which is really nice. Um, there's a sandbox mode. I didn't much care for it, because without... Uh, the the when you can turn off um money when you can have unlimited money and your animals are unlimited happy, mm. uh, there's nothing at risk. Something like that makes more sense in something like Planet Coaster where you're yeah. building a dream park. But I guess with the animals, it's it's all about yeah. that part aspect of the game. Well, that's it. Like with with something like uh you know your roller coaster tycoons, Planet Coasters, and whatnot. You want to make the big elaborate thing of your dreams that has like a billion loop the loops and you know is it yeah. like you need money for that, but with without the risk of your animals something might happen to your animals that that's what drives you forward is I need to keep these animals safe yeah no I want to lay these tigers out perfectly yeah but um, um, but if you do want to play that that way that's absolutely that is an fine. option yeah indeed it just wasn't for me yeah. um the only other thing of note is they advertise the game having something like seventy animal species. About a third of them are, oh, what's the term they use, exhibit species, where they're basically, here is an animal in a glass box that you don't make its its environment, and it just sort of sits there and it doesn't really have any animations, and it's not like the others where you have to make your enclosure and make the biome properly, and it's it's mainly so, just... Do you want to walk through the reptile house? Pretty much. <laughs> it's like, here's a glass box with a frog in it. You, you've got a frog species in it. Like it's, Frogs are important. They yeah. are important, but they're not as well animated. They don't have as much character and personality. Yeah. And you don't like, you don't feel like you've crafted a space for them and get to interact with them. No. They're, they're just sort of there. They live so, in an energon cube. Yeah, so bear in mind that they've slightly inflated the number of species that are sort of fully interactable, yeah. but it's a nice little game. Yeah. What about you? Have you played anything this um, week? Played, I've not really had a lot of chance to play. We were away the weekend, so it wasn't mm. like sit down, play games time. Um, but I, I've done some more Magic the Gathering deck building stuff. Yes, I I was also building Yu-Gi-Oh decks, uh, doing deck building we stuff. We had, had a night of, of deck building do. Yeah, so tell me about your Magic the Gathering deck doing. Um, so I've been watching something recently, we'll get onto that in Watch. Um, <laughs> but it, it introduced the concept of Mana Curve. Yeah. Now, I mean, I've built decks before, but I've not really had any idea about what I'm looking for apart from I need about this many lands for a deck of this many. Yeah. That's that's a good ratio, and that's what I've always done previously. Now it's like, really think a bit more about sort of how I'm playing the game, how many yeah. of each thing will I have, and how will I move through my deck, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, and and like also like play tactics as well. Like, yeah. A mulligan isn't just about, do I have enough land for the next couple of rounds? Mm. But are these things that I can play soon? Or have I got my late game card in my opening hand? Yeah. 
and and maybe that's a good reason to do so. Um, and that's made me think a bit more. So I would like to do more playing. But yeah, like I've sat down last night and sort of rejigged three decks. Yeah. And it's like, okay, right. I clearly have too many four mana things. I need to <laughs> trim that down a bit and get a nice nice curve going across yeah. my creatures. And like, how am I going to use the the spells and things differently? So that that was really nice, and I'm very much looking forward to Yay. trying for all those decks again. But tell us about the Yu-Gi-Oh! Cause... Well, yeah, I, I had a similar night where basically uh, you, we we talked re- uh, recently about the fact that we've been we played a bit of Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh. I've made a couple of decks from scratch, a, a Blue Eyes deck and a Dark Magician deck, and the problem I had with both of them is both of them were way too bloated. Um, I'd basically taken every support card that played into the archetype and had some kind of synergy with with that, like the boss monster, mm. and gone stick them all in. I'll trim it down later. Yeah. So and, and what you were saying about that was like because of the sort of legacy of those particular yeah. cards, they've been supported in so many versions yeah. that they've got so many. Support well, that's cards. it. It's 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 been a really nice thing about like they they have supported those those original boss monsters so nicely. Everybody um, wants to play blue eyes. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, every time that they've introduced like a new type of summoning or some kind of new mechanic that changes up the game, they've tried to introduce some kind of support for blue eyes and dark magicians so that they can stay relatively you know up to date. Yeah. And um, it did mean I was a little spoiled for choice. Yeah. So. I basically had two decks that I think when we were first practicing with them, they were both like somewhere in the 80 card range, which is okay. around double the minimum deck size you want to be hitting. So yesterday was basically going through and being really brutal um, with cuts and getting it down to where it needs to be. And my focus was basically on uh, cutting out a lot of the stuff that y- has prerequisites to it being useful. Um yeah. Cutting out a lot of the stuff that could be d- dead draws if you draw it at the wrong time. Mm. Um, a lot of the stuff that is conditional on this thing is already out, or these things are already in the grave, or this, that, and the other. And trying to focus it on stuff that can be played at any time, or stuff that searches into itself. Like, stuff that can be pretty self-sufficient. Yeah. Um, and making sure that the ratio of those to the things that could be potential dead draws was better balanced. Mm. And I think it worked really well. Like I tried drawing a couple of um, trial hands of that blue eyes deck, and and you like could get your big thing out almost yeah. immediately. Uh, two two trial hands in a row, I was able to get the, uh, the blue eyes ultimate thing out by turn two. Yeah, which is nice. Um, it th- those two decks plus the Exodia deck I was messing around with last night, like both felt a lot better by the time I I mm. got them down to forty. Although which... it feels like with any of those decks now that you could pretty much just it could be a case of the right draw. Just like, this is it, finish turn two. Well, the thing is, is I've tried to get both of them to that state, so, like, it, you should have, to, like, as well as being able to get your big thing out, you've also got some defences, so if the other person gets their big thing out, yeah, yeah. It, there should be some give and take still. Okay. Uh, that is, there's the hope. We need to practice it and mm. see how it goes. I look but... forward to trying them out. Yeah. Have you played anything else? Uh, let me have a look quickly. Uh, I've played some Death Stranding. I've not put as much time in as I feel like I probably should, but um, uh, this is a weird game to try and talk about. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to start with some positives. <laughs> um, it's shiny. I I think that I think that Hideo Kojima is really talented at 
using cutscenes to tell stories that, you know, don't always have to spell everything out with words. And I think that he has a real knack for uh, cinematography, music, uh, lore, and world building. Uh, The opening hours of Death Stranding, there are some really, really beautiful little moments that I, I, I look at and go... That is a really good moment of storytelling. Mm. Um, so, for anyone who doesn't know anything about Death Stranding, the the basic basic plot is at some point in America, a bunch of people started exploding and leaving huge craters, and now there is this rain that happens that will make time sort of age on the things it lands on. So, like plants wither and die really quickly. People will sort of age. Um, you don't want to get stuck in the time rain. Uh, and there are these invisible things that you can just sort of see these handprints going around. BTs? Uh, BTs are the little babies in the oh, okay. tubes. Uh, or maybe the, that's the, also the name of the invisible things? I thought the invisible things had an initial thing as well. Yeah, you might well be right. There's, okay, for all that I love Kojima, his plot's convoluted and <laughs> I forget the initials of all of his things. But I want to talk about this really cool early moment that is just like, it's a really tiny thing and I'm not going to get too spoilery, but like... You're trying to transport a body that might, you know, blow up and make one of these big craters early on in the game. And uh, to a cremation place to try and burn it so it won't explode. And (laughs) the thing that might explode, let's chuck it in the fire, see what happens. Apparently that stops it doing the explodey thing. Um, But there is is this moment where... It's like a plastic explosive. It needs an electrical (laughs) charge rather than a fire. Um, So I'm going to try and explain this thing so it sounds like... Try and convey some of the beauty of what Kojima did in this weird nonsense story. Um, a truck tips over and one guy is... He's trapped under it like from the waist down. And he's very much in pain. And then these monsters start to show up. And the whole thing you're meant to do is hold your breath. They, they can't see Difficult if you hold your breath. to do when you've just gone. Yeah. Um, and there is just this... Like he's screaming from the pain. And then these handprints start to go. And he just covers his mouth and like forces himself to stop talking and like that was a beautiful moment of non-verbal storytelling where it's like oh that tells us right at the start of the game how terrifying these invisible hand monsters are because someone who's in that much pain will shut themselves up when these things show up like yeah like Kojima's really good at stuff like that like setting tone and telling you like without having to go these things are dangerous because but it's like no no, I can see in a person's response what the problem is here um the game is is beautiful. Uh, it is it is in, in that it's rocky and depressing. <laughs> it's it's not always just that, but yes, um, it's hmm, there is a lot of walking. Walking simulator, right? <laughs> um, but occasionally with a motorbike. So apparently, about ten hours in, there starts being some action gameplay. I've not made it to there. I'm maybe three or four hours in, and right now the game is fetch quests. It is. Pick up some boxes, walk over there, drop off the boxes, walk all the way back. Uh, occasionally you might have a motorbike, um, but that's about it. Now, <sighs> here's the thing. If it were just that, I would probably still really enjoy it. I feel like there is a place in my gaming life for just walk through pretty scenery and, and have all these little interactions along the way and explore, a, explore just an interesting to traverse world. Mm. The problem is... It also wants to be, um, like, Octodad or Quop or one of those games where part of the challenge is... Standing upright. Physically moving and standing <clears throat> upright. Yeah. Um, like, here's the thing. If, if it was just... If it was Breath of the Wild-esque, where yeah. it was 
travel back and forth across this beautiful, nicely detailed world that you have lots of traversal options in, that yeah. I would enjoy. But at the same time, you're having to do the triggers to make sure you don't wobble too much to the right or too much to the left, and um, it, it's all a lot of just trying not to fall over. And I think I would prefer the game if it was less of that. Um, I don't in it, it's a lot of systems that I don't enjoy in games. It's things like encumbrance. Uh, the more you're carrying, the more difficult it is for you to move. The more sluggish, the slower you are, the less you can maneuver. And sure, it's it's accurate. It's realistic in that regard. Doesn't mean it's fun. It's the problem that Red Dead Redemption Two had. It was too focused on detail and realism and not on fun. Does that make it fun, though? Yeah. Um, in much the same way that I don't like in Red Dead 2 taking, like, an hour to trudge through snow. It's not fun. It's not... Or the skinning mechanic yeah. when you get a bad skin. Exactly. It's not fun to walk the whole way somewhere worried you're going to fall over sideways and then have to stop for a few minutes to... Change your shoes. Uh, to change your shoes. Rub and your baby. Wobble the baby. Wobble and, your baby. No, yeah, sure. sort of shake the baby up and down a bit. But not too much. Don't shake the baby too much. No. Um, And then walk the whole same route back. And I wouldn't have even minded that if they'd put interesting things so that, like, ah, you're walking the same route backwards, but now... There are things that you just never noticed because, you know, players don't think to look behind themselves. Yeah. There's none of that. It's, it's not like you're seeing additional context of the environment because you're going the other way. It's still a very dark grey hill made yeah, of yeah. rocks. And the whole bonding with the baby thing has not... I, I do not feel right now like they have capitalised on the... What this could have been, which is just like, you know, bonding, bonding with this child. Um, That's not really a... They've have, not lent into that. Have you peed on some mushrooms, though? I have peed on some mushrooms. Yeah. You can put down signs that say no peeing. You can put down <laughs> no peeing signs. Um, and then just pee on the sign. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so th there is an online component of some kind where other players will sometimes leave things of like how they've made it across environments and things that you like ladders you put across big gaps for example might end up in someone else's world um so far that has been kind of nice it it doesn't feel like necessary it doesn't feel vital to the game but there is something nice about this sense of other people going on these journeys and like oh and they did it like that oh i see and getting getting ideas from what other people are doing but it feels like a lot of walking right now and i i keep thinking about this game the way that i think about david cage games um david cage is a better short filmmaker than he is a game developer mm. he is better at telling short concise like he's really great at short concise stories uh, with self-contained characters that within, you know, a short amount of time are done. He can create great worlds. He just fills them with a lot of stuff that's not always great. And he probably needs someone to say no to him sometimes. And I mm. feel I feel like Kojima has great world building, great cinematography. He needed someone he trusted on that development team to go, No. Maybe three hours, maybe five hours of walking is enough. Maybe it doesn't need to be ten before the action kicks in. Maybe 
be more concise, because you there are some great things in this game. There are moments where I'm loving Death Stranding, and then there are moments where I'm like, I'm going to stick on a podcast while I trudge up a mountain because I feel like I should, because maybe there'll be something I'll get to see a cool cutscene soon. Maybe. It's a weird game. I, I'm going to put more time into it, but I... Mm, it feels very strange. I mean, it looked very strange from all of the all of the trailers. And like most Kojima games, I looked at it and went, "I don't think this is for me." Yeah, it... I I can see the I I can see that it might be an interesting project. It has interesting ideas. It does something different or unique. Yeah. But I have no interest in I, playing it. <laughs> I would rather I would rather play this than something like Call of Duty, where at least with this, Definitely. I'm. There are interesting things happening, and I'm I'm mildly fascinated by the weird train wreck that it is. But yeah, it's yeah. This is not a polished, concise product. It is meandering and very self congratulatory. Like mm. it, the number of product placement and Hideo Kojima friend, like celebrity friends that pop up in the game, like celebrity it, friend. Yeah, there's a lot of like ah, this person uh, like. This talk show host that Kojima is pally with is just in the game, and it really feels like a vanity project where Kojima's just like, oh, you're going to give me all the money I want, and I can do what I want, and no one will say no to me? I'm putting all my friends in this. Whether it's... It, I was going to say whether it's immersive or not. It's distracting. Yeah. Uh, Alright, have you played anything else? Well, I wanted to talk something else about the the um, the Death Drowning thing. Have, oh, have yeah. you encountered the aphobia? Uh, no. Is this a thing? So this popped up, um, it's from one of the, like, interview things. Oh, yeah, okay, and it God, talks okay. about it talks about asexuality, and as far as I can remember from it, it is, world is bad, so no one do sex. Oh, that, okay. That, that is why asexual happen. Okay, I've not made it there, and I don't know the... Context, so but that doesn't content, sound great. content warning for anyone. Apparently, okay. there's some um, some rape apology uh, oh, in God. there as well. I've not come across that either, but I'm I apologize my apologies that that is in there. You didn't write it, no. But yeah, but, but yeah that that's something that was flashing up a lot on my yeah. timeline this morning. Apologies that I didn't know that was a thing. Well, you can't be expected to know everything. I only know it because I have some ace friends on Facebook, and they were posting it all up this morning. They probably should have told you. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, that that that's a thing that's cropped up, and I I was. I mean, this is a watch thing, but fuck it. Um, so I have no interest in playing Death Stranding. So yeah. I spent, I watched about forty minutes of the two-hour ending of Death Stranding. Okay, is it nonsense? Oh, it's absolute nonsense. Yeah, but it's like, Kojima. It's nonsense. I mean, I don't really have much. I've not watched like Metal Gear endings, but yeah. I know, I know there are. I've I've seen like some Revengeance stuff, but <laughs> nothing from anything else. Oh, I've... Revengeance is ludicrous. Oh yeah, but in a in a in a seemingly quite fabulous <laughs> oh, way. In, in a dog helps in Ooh. a Platinum Games way. <laughs> yeah. Um. But like, yeah, I was, I was like, okay, I I kind of get what they were going for with this. That's an interesting story. Still don't want to play The Walking Bet. S- yeah. Still don't still don't really want to I've, see any of that. I've, I, I've been using The Walking Bit as an excuse to catch up on podcasts, if I'm honest. It's been one of those games. It's one of those things, like, I feel like I could I could watch the movie version of it. You know how, like, yeah, very often yeah. on YouTube it's like, 
Metal Gear the movie. We it's cut like, all of the fucking cutscenes together. Like, right now, the walking has not been what I've been interested in. It's been the cutscenes. And I agree with you. I probably would have enjoyed up to where I'm at more if I just watched a movie cutscenes. You know, maybe a couple of gameplay bits to be like transitional. Oh. If that had been like an eight-shot montage if he yeah. walks across the... Or like... Like a minute montage, there's some soft music, there's lots of scenes of him walking across the barren landscape. In different, different putting, weathers. Put, put, yeah, different weathers, putting the ladders up. Occasionally or, falling um, over. Occasionally falling over, stopping to rub his feet, maybe uh, sitting in the, yeah. in the hot tub or, or soothing the baby, interspersed with delivering this person thing to that person, yeah. delivering that to the other person. And then, and next scene, we have a thing with the... the, the the yeah. flicky thing on a pole and the the scary invisible footprints. Yeah, just like that would have been, yeah, more interesting than what I'm understanding from the gameplay. Yeah, honestly, that's my impression right now as well. And Maybe. I I don't know whether I will come back to this because Pokemon is going to consume my <laughs> life. So you know, Death Stranding, you had a good run. You had a good afternoon, Death Stranding. <laughs> but I'm afraid uh... for you, the war is over. Uh, did you play anything else? Uh, not really. Oh, I played some more Graveyard Keeper. How's, how's um, that going? I am really enjoying it so Yay! far. Like, it, I I did have to look up a little fact of like, what am I actually doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I've got got to because uh, there was a point where I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I I don't seem to have enough time in the day to get anything done. And then I got to a point where it was like, ah, so many people want me to do different things all at the same time. <laughs> but I've got to a point now, it's like, my graveyard is a certain quality, and I've stopped paying for bodies to be dropped off because I don't really have anywhere to put them. Yeah. But, like, there's the sort of plot things I can do and investigate stuff, and there's, like, a lot of the resources respawn after, like, a week or so, so you can just see it sort of go go in and potter around and I'm quite enjoying that aspect of it. It's just like gather the resources, do the thing, build a new thing, unlock a bit more of my uh like the tech tree. Yeah. I'm kind of enjoying it. It's like in like a nice little loop. But there is a lot to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um not to the point where I think I would buy any of the DLC though. That's fair. Yeah. Uh yeah. It's 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 a fun little pottering around round game about gravekeeping and Autopsies. I think that's everything I've played. Well then, time for this. So it's time for the time for the meeting. We're here to talk about that video game movie we're doing. Oh, that one, yes, yes. People um, are very excited. Yes, they they are because obviously brand they know is attached. Indeed, I mean people have probably been waiting for a big budget movie of this sort for for a very long time. So. so I, I, there is a problem we're going to have to have overcome. A problem? Uh, yes. Why? So, it's it's not a good movie. We know this. It's a video game movie. But They're video never game movies never are. Never are. They never are. They never Apart are. Apart from Silent Hill. Silent Hill was pretty good. Uh, that's up for debate. But, uh, so, so, <laughs> so, we need to work out how we're going to convince these people to, uh, to, to, to come and see our film, that's probably not very good. Have we got any any ideas of how we how we fool people into coming to see our not very good film? Well, I mean, how about we have no marketing at all? No one sees anything. It's just like all secretly, completely under wraps. Nobody knows who's in it. They just know it's coming. We just put out like just just the title of the film and just soon, a, uh, just just coming fall twenty twenty. I I I like your thinking. I like your thinking, but. 
I have what I think might be an even better idea. Shoot. So, so, we make one trailer for the film, and we put in the most unpleasant to see version of the the protagonist that we possibly can. Oh, like a CGI uncanny valley sort of thing. Yes, yes, we make them so that you look at them and you want to run away screaming. Okay, okay, yes, The the kind of thing that no one would... Like Silent Hill 2. Yeah, yes, the the kind of thing that no one would ever want to see. Indeed. Um, No one would ever want to feast their eyes upon. And then we put it out there. We let people get all worked up about how terrible it looks, how it's going to ruin their childhood. That's going to generate a lot of press. Well, this is it. It's going to generate a lot of press. And I know what you're thinking. That's not good press. They're all going to be complaining about how terrible it's it's, going to be. There's no such thing as bad publicity. I, I know, but... I know how it can also not just be not bad publicity, but it can be good publicity. Who go on? So, the whole time, the whole time this is happening, we're making yeah. the film. The film looks nothing like this. The no. film actually looks like a good, faithful recreation of the character, you see. Oh, clever. Yes. So, what we do, we put the bad version out, and, you know, give it, what, 12 hours for people to complain, and then go, we've heard your complaints, we're doing a U-turn, we're scrapping everything, we're remaking the film... From scratch, for you, the fan. And then six months down the line, we just unveil a whole new trailer with the genuine movie that we were making. Exactly, and it'll seem like we've we've gone to all this work to listen to the fans, and here's the thing. They'll feel guilted into it. Well, this is it. Even even if they didn't intend to see it, because they complained about how bad it was and we, we, we changed it. They'll be like, oh, I made them do all this extra work, now I feel I have to yeah, watch we can't, it. Yeah, we can't, you know, let the film make no money. We'd feel bad that they went to all this work and we never thaw it. They'll come out of guilt because they talked us into changing something that was already changed. You really are jolly clever. Oh, sure, thank you. Fibbage, did you? Did I get you? So, uh, hello everyone, welcome welcome to our uh, keynote speech. We are here today to talk about a phenomenon that we've been able to uh, track down with pinpoint accuracy. So if you look at this, if you look at this graph here, you will see uh, it starts, starts, off, starts off nice and low and, and, and the graph sort of raises up and uh, th- this point up here at the top of the graph is, is when uh, Netflix released and a vast majority of people stopped pirating and just paid to stream video and then... As you watch, the curve comes all the way down, all the way down, and then plummets right here. And this this point we've circled right here on the graph is the release of yet another of these uh, additional streaming services. I believe it was uh, Disney Plus that released, and all of their uh, their films were going to be tied into their movies, and we were going to have to have their subscription. And uh, yes, this was this was the point that uh, pi- piracy became a thing again, and the streaming market imploded. Any any uh, any questions? No, I think what you've done there actually seems completely accurate. I mean, that seems exactly the sort of thing that would happen. Like, people made it easy for people to see all the things they wanted to do. And, like, then I, I can see the little blip there where uh, Amazon Prime came along and sort of diluted that a bit. But then when Disney started recording all their movies back for their own service... And then, like, HBO Online, I understand, is getting more of a thing. I, I, can, I completely agree with your hypothesis forecast going forward that uh, people will just continue to go back to piracy as a result of all of these studios getting more greedy about trying to, trying to claw things back rather than allowing it to be in a sort of centralised hub. 
Indeed, indeed. So, as our conclusion states, everyone should, you know, just put all their streaming things onto one service to stop piracy. Now, if you'd like to see more of my talks, check out my digital streaming platform that you can subscribe to for $9.99 a month, which is very different to the ones I mentioned on here. Oh, God. Everyone's going to pirate Yar, I'm on to get my thing out. Watching the downloaded films. Har, har, har. Oh, 300 seaters. Nice. Har, har. <laughs> so. <gasps> what have you watched, darling? Oh. Uh, I watched something that I enjoyed more than I expected to. Yes. I watched the season four premiere for Rick and Morty. Okay. So, Rick and Morty, bit of a toxic fan base, you know, because it's a it's it, it's one of those shows with a protagonist where, who can be summed up at least in early seasons as he's smart, therefore it, it's okay that he's an asshole. Um. The season four premiere of Rick and Morty does seem to be trying to take that show in a direction where it starts adding consequences for its protagonist being an asshole and holding him to a higher standard. Right. Don't know whether that'll persist, but the first episode of the new season basically is about, hey, the family are tired of Rick's bullshit. You can't just drag our son off on an, on dangerous adventures. You have to... Ask us if it's okay if he can go. Ask him if he wants to go before he goes. Good sense. Um, exactly. And showing consequences like, given half a chance, would they just leave him dying in a ditch? Is a bit of a thing in this episode. Is like, oh yeah, no, people, they wouldn't care. Wouldn't come back for you. You're an asshole. And making him a little bit face... You know, maybe maybe you do need to be a bit better of a person. Cancel culture, cancel culture, ah! Uh, no, it's it's consequences. Yeah, uh, they they acknowledge that Rick is a fan of Boglins, and as soon as I saw that, <laughs> I messaged Jim, uh, Jim Sterling, for anyone listening, um, going, "Oh God, I hope that you're ready for your uh, your hobby of collecting Boglins to become a nightmare because <laughs> of that audience." I think he's but, uh, got all of them, so. Uh, if there's if he wants to keep collecting them, it, well, it's gonna go one of two ways. Either it's gonna get really hard to collect Boglins, or they're gonna make a new line of Boglins, and he'll have new Boglins to buy. Yeah, but then are we gonna have like toxic fans just trying to scream at people in shops because they want the new Boglins? I I hope not. Is is, um, is this like we got the Szechuan sauce? How are, who wants Boglins? Boglins? Boglins. Right. Okay, yeah, that's the thing. It, it did feel like the Boglin name drop was there because they wanted another Szechuan sauce moment. Like yeah. it felt like they were trying to make that happen again. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it, the season four premiere at least seemed to be trying to go in the direction of let's start, you know, having consequences for Rick and holding him at least a little bit more to a, to account. Uh, I imagine that's really pissed some people yeah. off on the internet. But, but also Morty a little bit. Like, there's been a little bit of, hey, you can't just blame every problem in your life on Rick. Like, Rick is an asshole, but you do have to take responsibility when you fuck up. Um, it, it was a lot of men... Personal responsibility. Yeah, men, take personal responsibility for the consequences of your actions. <sighs> oh no! How the devil, Rick. Uh, How do <laughs> What about you? What have you watched? I have watched, been watching a lot of the Telerian Community College on YouTube. What is that? It's Magic the Gathering videos. Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm quite into the whole magic thing at the moment. Just like learning about how how build a deck. 
Um, how, like, how, why things are the way they are within magic? Like, because this sort, sort of came up as a thing we were talking about, um, booster packs for Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, yeah. And, because I, I, I've known Magic the Gathering booster packs for years, it's like 15 cards, you'll probably get a rare, some uncommons, uh, sorry, a rare or mythic, some uncommons, a foil, and just, like, a bunch of random commons. Yeah. And apparently there is a reason for that. But, like, then looking at the economy in Yu-Gi-Oh, it's like, we well, only get seven cards, but, like, they cost less, and there is, like, a, a, a rare or, or whatever in there. Yeah. And to be clear, I do not buy trading no. card booster packs anymore, because a uh, compulsive spender c- can't do it. I'm too obsessed with completing collections of things. But yeah. I'm still personally fascinated by that whole system. Mm. Like, I will watch videos about people talking about, you know, very, uh, the, the 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 makeup of randomised TCG stuff. I think, yeah, like, I didn't know about the whole thing of because of uh, the draft yes. style of play and because of, um, I think, a sealed play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the idea that, you you know, you buy a bunch of booster packs, you go to Friday Night Magic, and you, you play, like... The cards you have bought just out of the booster packs you yeah. bought. Yeah. So for anyone curious, the difference between sealed and draft is basically the number of boosters that you open up and build your deck from. Also, with draft, um, it's like it's a shared pool of boosters, and it's like okay, you you open this one, you take one card from that, and you pass it along. Oh, that's not how they do that in Yu-Gi-Oh, but that's interesting. Um, so, yeah. Um, that that was really interesting, like learning about. Um, the different styles of magic, because I've only ever played, like, standard 60 to uh, 120 card decks. Yeah. Like, I think you're allowed to go up to anything as long as you can shuffle it manually. Yeah. if you can manually shuffle it unassisted. Yeah, like, like I've, I don't think I've ever put a deck together that was over 100 cards. Yeah. But, like, the fact that there are other styles, like, I didn't know about Commander, which is 100 cards, 40 life, and there's other mechanics, but I haven't really sort of delved into that. It's like, oh, a whole new way of playing with more people. So that's the thing. We have people yeah. locally. Maybe we can convince them to try Commander. Um, Like, what uh, signature spellbook decks, like... Here is a planeswalker. These are signature cards for for that character. We're going to do them in a special box of like I think it's eight to twelve cards. Yeah, and you're probably going to pay like eighty bucks for that. It's like what? <laughs> that's that's uh, mm? that's very expensive. That is. Um, and like learning why it isn't necessarily a great idea to go out and buy like a booster box yeah. for a hundred. 100 quid or like yeah. I think they go up to like 120 quid buying one of those rather than just going I want to build this particular deck I need this card from this series go online and fucking buy it yeah as an individual or go to your local yeah. card shop yeah well that that's the thing also one thing that I I was watching some Yu-Gi-Oh videos today about uh while I was having my lunch and one thing that's a big controversy that's gone on for years in the Yu-Gi-Oh community is um, secret uh, is um, rarities maybe not being exactly as described on the box for certain things that are in booster boxes. So the idea is, 
you have various rarities of card, and yeah. everything within that rarity should have about an equal chance of showing up. So, okay. you know, the 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 way it's presented, at least in Yu-Gi-Oh, is let's say there's a there's a there's a ultra rare in this. Uh, let's say there's four different ultra rares in this. Um, booster set they've put out. Yeah. If you buy a booster box, you should have about, you know, you should, if you buy enough boosters that you end up getting, you know, those four uh, legendary uh, ultra rares, you should get them about once each. It should be about an equal split. But people who, you know, will buy like crates of them because, you know, maybe they work in card shops and stuff, mm. will keep spreadsheets and they'll go like, sometimes there'll be like an ultra rare in a set that just won't show up as much as the others by like like a 30-40% dip in okay. like m- consistency of showing up and maybe it's con- a confirmation bias maybe it's other things yeah. but there's this whole controversy of are some of these cards actually rarer than their listed rarity yeah. um, to try and get you buying more booster boxes mm. to get it to show up um, and that's a big part of why the Yu-Gi-Oh community are always like just just buy your individual cards if there's something specific you need. Buy a booster yeah. box if you don't mind, you know, the random luck of the draw. Don't buy booster boxes trying to get that that ultra rare because maybe it maybe it just won't ever show up. Yeah, I think the only reason I would ever buy a booster box is to just unwrap it on stream. Yeah. And then maybe offer like some of the cards I didn't want, like buy, like extra cards to just yeah. viewers just like, hey, here's, let's have a competition. Yeah, I I, I've been offered trading cards before, and now that I stream more often, if I got offered another, like, big box of Pokemon cards at some point, I'd probably go, yeah, sure, I'll take that and open it up and, you know, spend the whole stream going, don't buy trading card <laughs> boosters, but if you've got them, they're quite fun to open, aren't they? But, like, don't do it, it's a waste of your money, don't get pulled <laughs> into the scam. <laughs> Is that why they've not sent me, why they don't send me, like, full boxes, because I'll do that? <laughs> probably. That's why they send me, like, sets of cards. <laughs> I'll be trusted. <laughs> Just give me honest opinion. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's important. Yeah, and probably why we will never get sent. We will never be influencers. <laughs> well, I did get that advent calendar where I got you like. A, a was boost. that supposed to be influence? I thought it was just like you. No, no, no. I, I don't think it was Pokemon it, yeah. all the time. I, I don't think it was meant to be influencing thing. They they never said I had to report on it or anything. They were just like, here's an advent calendar. Boost pack every day. Go nuts. How, that was a, it was like a really uh, nice thing as well. Yeah, I I very much enjoyed spending a month opening booster packs every day and then not buying any more booster packs after that. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, we haven't gone back to to Pokemon much really either. No, we need. You've to, got though. all those um deck uh, all those. I alphabetized boxes. my fucking collection, wow. and we have not really gone back since. We haven't really had time. We yeah. had a very busy summer, and now now we've just been he's, like, yeah, let's play Magic and... and, and that's the thing yeah. is, Pokemon, we both confidently know how to play. We're on a pretty even keel with that, I think. I'm not like, good at it. I, I'm aware of the mechanics. I, I think we, we are on a relatively consistent level of skill on that, I think. I feel the same way about Pokemon as I do about Yu-Gi-Oh. I understand most of the mechanics... In in the versions that we play, I wouldn't say I understand all of the mechanics for Yu-Gi-Oh because there's a lot of them. Yes, <laughs> um, and but the the dual uh, battle yes, thing, yes, yes. Up, the the Switch game, yeah, yeah, like that. I like really did a really good job of explaining things. I just wasn't enjoying playing later iterations yeah, of it. That's fair. I, but I I feel like with Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, like I understand the mechanics. If you give me a deck, I will play with it. 
it might take me a while to read some of the card text on Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. But, like, I, I feel like I get the concept. I, I feel like that's about where I'm at with magic, is I get the concept now, and... I feel like that's it. Like we played a lot of Pokemon, and I think we both were like, "Yeah, I I get what we're doing here." Yeah. Whereas Magic, I'm still getting to grips with, and Yu-Gi-Oh, you're still still getting to grips with, which I think is why we're playing those more frequently at the moment. I think the other thing might have something to do with deck building. Yeah, I've built a lot of Magic: The Gathering yeah. decks over over the years. They have been of varying degrees, considering I only recently learned about yeah. Monica have, um, but. Like, I think the fact that I've never sort of sat down and tried to put a Yu-Gi-Oh deck together yeah. might have something to do with that. That sort of, the time you spend with the cards and, like, yeah. understanding, like, what am I aiming for when I put this together? Which I think helped that time we, we played the, the previous iteration of your Blue Eyes deck. Yeah, yeah. And um, you sort of went, okay, this is what you're aiming for, this is what this deck do. Um, like yeah. this, that, the other, and like that's the thing I've had with Magic for a while. Like you would buy pre-constructed decks, and it would go, "Here is everything that is in this deck. Yeah. If you ever want to make it again, and this is what you're, this is basically what you're aiming for with this yeah. deck." Po- Pokemon's really good at that with their structured decks because a lot of times we we got sent a lot of Pokemon mm. card decks, and they usually come and with I an, Pokemon yeah, card deck, as and well. they usually come with inserts that will say. Here's you know what you're trying to do. Here's the cards that will be helpful for getting you there. Like they usually Here's how many good at of that. each thing you've got, so you yeah. know what you're aiming for. Yeah, and not wasting like your one of these. Yeah, I feel like we need to do that thing that we've both talked about because we, you know, the other night you were making your your magic decks. I was making some Yu-Gi-Oh decks. We need to swap around. I need to try and make a magic deck from scratch. You need to have a look at some Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and together we need to. You know, learn how to make decks in each other's game, and I think oh, that'll probably well, help us. I think so. Uh, this was the watch section. This I don't know how sh- we got here. <laughs> oh, you were watching Magic videos, I, yes. I was watching the, the Talarian Community College, who has a genuine professor doing their like tutorials and, and talks. It is, it is that show. It is his show. Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's been very informative about a game that I have had an interest in for what? Jesus. Oh, oh, no, no. I've mentioned time. Ah, about <laughs> 25 years. Fuck. Ah. It's fine. Get out, of, get out of the time vortex. Stop no. looking at the time knife. <laughs> yeah. Don't look at the time knife. Time ah. is Jeremy Bellamy. Ah. Oh, the dot in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you watched? Uh, so I went down a YouTube rabbit hole Ooh. this week of... um. Watching various YouTube channels about either scamming or taking down um, um, phone scams. Hmm. Um, so picture your sort of um, telephone scam where someone will call up saying that, you know, you, you, you're you due a, a refund for something you overpaid for or uh, you had an accident that wasn't your fault and we need to sort of getting you your money or there's a virus on your computer and we need to deal with it. And... Most of these scam call centres will get you to put your computer on and they will talk the victim into letting the person on the other end of the phone take remote access of their computer, at which point they will, you know, set up key loggers or talk you into logging into your bank so that they can see your bank login details and uh, all, all that sort of nasty, nasty stuff. So, I've been watching a few YouTube channels, I'll get to which ones in a second, that will... They come in a couple of categories, but it's either um, people who will deliberately get in contact with scam call centres um, so that that connection between computers gets established. They'll set up like a virtual machine so there's nothing actually at risk. 
um, and use it to go like, okay, our computers are connected over the internet right now. What's your IP address? Start like reverse hacking them to be like, no, I just deleted. I deleted all of your records of people's bank details that you stole because I got into your computer. Uh, or there is there is a uh, one YouTube channel I was watching where he lives in Calcutta and his whole thing is um, hacking into computers of scam call centers watching everything that goes through their screen and all their audio and trying to either stop the money leaving people's accounts or locate where these scammers are so that they can be reported to the police and mm. shut down. So, yeah, it's been a lot of reverse scamming scammers and like going, "Oh, you're going to try you're going to try and fucking hack me? Let my get, let me get my hacker skills out." It is I who do the um, hacking. Like what one of one of them I've been watching is um an ex-government, um, uh, basically, like security analyst whose whole job was now I, I do I do cybercrime stuff for the government. Cybercrime. My whole my whole thing is hacking back into hackers and stopping them. So who hacks the hackers? Where uh, those people? A few people. So I'm gonna I'm gonna list a couple of YouTube channels. Um, mm-hmm. I've not gone deep enough into any of these to know. Maybe maybe they, it turns out that some of these aren't great people. I've not done a huge amount of research, but I've been enjoying the videos I've seen. Yeah. Uh, Atomic Shrimp, uh, Scammer Revolts, um, Kit Boga, okay. um, and Jim Browning are the main ones I've been watching. But yeah, I've been going down the rabbit hole of people who try and scam people out of their savings getting their just desserts in one way or another. No dessert um, for them. Yeah, one, one of my favourites was um, the, the person managed to get into the hacker's computer and change their password so that they couldn't get back into their own computer, like like at the the system restore that uh, like couldn't couldn't even like not even getting to Windows, like the whole computer had a password on it, and the person just the the scammer is on the other end of the phone, like oh I'm gonna get in trouble with my boss. Can you please give me the password? I promise I'll stop hacking people. And it's like I, I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm not giving you your password. Your computer is full of stolen bank details. No. <laughs> It's oddly satisfying. Nice. What about you? What have you been watching? We watched some things together. Oh, we did. We finished watching Discovery Season 2. That's real good, huh? That Star Trek Discovery Season 2 was real fucking good. I'm real intrigued by where that's going to go. Yeah, like, what do now? Yeah, that 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 show continues to up the ante continually um, and be very smartly put together. In terms, in, we also watched some little side story episodes. We did. They were really cool. Yeah, they were just like ten minute long short stories that probably could have existed out. Some of them could have existed outside of Star Trek. They some of them could have been Black Mirror episodes. Yeah, they were just like cool little sci-fi stories in space. Yeah, um, like we have the sets, we have all the things, we have the actors on uh, kicking around. Why not shoot yeah. a fifteen minute like short yeah. story? We we had one about someone maybe falling in love a bit with an AI. Uh, on a ship, and we had one that was a uh, a heist-related one about someone trying to escape from being captured. And we had one about a, some characters that we already know about. Yeah! Those are well worth watching. If you've not yeah. seen those, like, short little... Uh, I think they're called short tracks. Something like that, yeah. Um, they're in, like, the extras section on Netflix, but... Yeah, Star Trek Discovery is real good, and I cannot wait for for another yeah. season of that. I'm 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 so glad we finally got time to to sit and watch it because I 
really fucking enjoyed it. Yes, indeed. Yeah. What else did we watch together? We watched some She-Ra! Uh, season three. Three, we, four? Uh, the new season. Whatever the new season is. We've almost finished the new season of She-Ra, yeah. and... Oh, oh, it, it really ramped up in terms of... dark. In terms of... It, it did the thing that Voltron did about this many seasons in, where it... It got serious and tooing real hard. Yeah, consequences happened and things did not always go as hoped for the heroes and I love the new non-binary character that's mm-hmm. been introduced. Although, why does the non-binary character have to be on the bad guys? Um I you know, I'm hoping they can be brought around to the good the good team uh sooner or later. I will say it is nice that even the most villainous people can respect they them pronouns. What the other thing is, as far as like, I maybe I blinked and missed it. I I haven't heard them like declare their pronouns, but I like the fact that, as you say, even the most vi- vi- villainous people have gone them. Yeah, we've we've never had to have that conversation of incorrect pronouns used. Oh, sorry, I go by no. It's just or a even real... them going. Yeah, I am this character. Yeah, I use it's, these pronouns. It's just a matter of fact thing. Without it having to be brought up, people use they them, and that's a consistent thing. Also, cool character design. Oh yeah, cool character design, and their voice is really nice as yeah, well. Like it's very melodious. It's it's a it's the kind of voice I would love to hear read audiobooks. Mm. Yeah. Oh. I, I read me bedtime stories. Yes, <laughs> this this season has really gotten into like okay, let's take off the the kiddie gloves of the uh, the the sort of side story silly episodes. We are plotting hard. Also, more Swiftwind. Ah, oh, more Swiftwind. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're getting some answers as well. They've started to answer some we of the are, stuff of so... like, here's what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying that, and I can't wait to see more of that. Yeah, and even more of that when this season is over. Indeed. Give it like six weeks, there'll be another season. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I think it might be quite fun to go back and watch She-Ra from the beginning. Oh, very much, I imagine so. Mm -hmm. Uh, Voltron Voltron was very good for, like, there being good stuff to see on a second watch. So I imagine She-Ra will be similar. Nice. Uh, What about you? I've got a couple of other very small things. Mm -hmm. Uh... I watched the the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie trailer. Oh, they fixed it. I hear. Uh, yeah, they've they've redesigned the character and no longer a manhog. Uh, uh, have you seen the new design? Uh, I've seen like a still. I haven't seen the, the video. Uh, okay, it now looks like a a cartoon hedgehog that looks like you would imagine a cartoon hedgehog that is Sonic the Hedgehog to look, and not a human with weird proportions and eyes that are too far apart and human teeth and yeah, weird it, long fingers. Yeah, it looks fingers. more Detective Pikachu Sonic yeah. than whatever the fuck that previous yeah, iteration they, was. They basically... The, the, first, the first iteration was deeply in the Uncanny Valley because it had too many human a- aspects and was not... It, it it looked too human and simultaneously not human enough. Yeah. And they've basically gone, how do we get out the Uncanny Valley? Let's make him look more like the cartoon he's based on. Yeah. Uh, he now has big gloves on rather than having those weird long huge white hands. Yeah. Um he he still has human teeth, but they are far less pronounced and they do not they're not just big and visible in his mouth mm. at all times. Yeah. Um he doesn't have the one huge eye thing that he seems to have in all the games. But he still looks um, okay for it. Yeah, well the reason why he looks okay is they've given him a little patch of white fur so it kind of looks the same as it does okay. without looking uncanny like why is that one single eyeball? Yeah. Like, 
they made a bunch of good design decisions and I just really hope they let their designers sleep. Yeah, like that is a concern is this because here's the thing. If you watch those trailers side to side, there are certain scenes that are reused. They did not just retexture the same animations like there are new animations involved. Like it looks like they hit select all, delete and started from scratch again. And yeah, I just really hope those animators and artists yeah. and people were allowed to go home and I'm, sleep. I'm glad that film got delayed to account for this, yeah, but absolutely. like, uh, and it's looking good so far. But like, but I, please no yeah, Please, I hope that this wasn't at the expense of overworking their animators. Yeah. Um, yeah, the jokes still seem. Yeah, it's a Jim Carrey movie. I didn't expect much from no, it. No, to be honest, but, but I have to give credit where it's due. They took a really terrifying, uncanny design, and it's good now. So yeah, that's that. Mm. Uh, did you watch anything else? No, that's all for me. Uh, I watched one other thing. I watched a trailer that I I am intrigued by, and I kind of want to see the film that it's attached to. Mm. Uh, it's called Greener Grass. Okay. And the way it was described, uh, the way it was described to me, um was what if David Lynch directed an episode of Desperate Housewives um, with a little black mirror sprinkled on? And, like, watching this trailer, I I can see maybe where some of those inspirations come from. Um, It it starts off as a, you know, oh, everyone's very polite in suburbia, everyone's being very, very nice to each other, and it seems to sort of unravel and unwind, and there are shots interspliced of, like, one of the characters with blood oozing out of her mouth driving down a highway with a, a, a golf club in her hand. I'm like, I, I don't know what this is, but there's also just like stuff that seems like genuinely good comedy in there. I'm like, I don't understand what this is, but I'm intrigued. Yeah, what's this on? Uh, I, I believe it is a movie that is coming out. Oh, it's on a movie, movie. The, uh, a movie, movie, movie. that okay. has, has not yet released, but has been at some of the film festivals and Heck. had good praise. The, tra- the trailer was weirdly fascinating, and I'm Ooh. like, okay, I feel like I maybe need to pay attention to, to this, Ooh. see if reviews are any good. But I think that's everything I've watched. Well then, <gasps> time for this. This. Got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? This week's sponsor is well. Have you noticed? You're getting cold. It is getting cold. You're getting chilly. In fact, you are wearing an extra layer, possibly two extra layers. Yeah. As we are, as we are doing the I'm wrapped up warm. It's quite chilly. Winter's happening. Toasty, what winter has come? Ah, winter, winter is coming. No, no, it's here. It's here. It's all up in our grills, as as the youth say, 10, <laughs> 10 or 20 years ago. <laughs> so, I noticed that you have this uh, warm top thing over the top of your yeah, t-shirt. Yeah. Imagine if this hooded jumper object, yes. a hoodie, if you will, Yes. imagine if it was like this, but extra toasty. <gasps> How do I make this magic occur? Who's our sponsor? What's happening? This week's sponsor is putting your favourite hoodie on the radiator the night before so that it's warm when you have to go out in the morning. That's amazing. .lol.net How do I sign up for this amazing product slash service? Head on over to putting your favourite hoodie on the radiator at night so it's warm when you have to leave for work in the morning. .lol.net And enter the code QNPS92 and you too will find the magical ability. (laughs) To keep your hoodie on, on, on the radiator the night before so it's nice and snug and toasty when you have to go outside. Imagine it, snug and toasty, to deal with all the... 
I feel like I need to get a radiator installed in reach of the bed so I can be toasty the second I get out of that duvet. Good plan. But you want 15% off that plan. I do. Then just head over to the website I mentioned earlier <laughs> and enter the code QOPS82 and you can be a woman's nug snug. Oh, heck! Yeah. Inside the boardroom of Electronic Active Softworks. Hi, hi, hi. How's, uh... How's how's uh, intern flogging meeting number three been for you? I mean, it was great. I gave some great demonstrations to the other uh, CEOs. It was, uh, yeah. And just the number of interns we got through. Some of those are not coming back. But yeah. we don't have to pay them either way. And <laughs> we get fresh new ones. So, so what's uh, what's new on the, on, the, on the docket? Well, we have had one problem. You know, we got that, uh, the big famous developer guy. The one everyone's calling an author. Oh, yeah. The, the guy where, like, you know, they ignored the team that make the game and they just talk about that dude. Yeah, like, I mean... It's just interns, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's how, how, how it works. But, I mean, like, he's a real rock star of, of, of game development. Oh, do you remember when we made, like, the white glowing road for him to walk down on stage onto and it sort of filled in under his feet? Oh. Yeah, I mean, that's the sort of thing that we're really going for. Like, we got the guy because his previous company had been treating him like shit. And, I mean, admittedly, we had been hoping for that. But more than that, we wanted money that came with him. Indeed, indeed. People who will buy it because his name's attached. And a lot of people have bought it. Yeah, so where's the problem? A lot of people bought it. A lot of people did buy it, but uh, apparently it's uh, a slow, boring struggle to get through. I mean, I thought giving him an unlimited budget, unlimited wait, time... Wait, wait, unlimited budget? Yeah, we gave him an unlimited budget. You gave him an unlimited budget? Money... And there was return did, money. Yeah, but did we have anyone on the team telling him no? Like telling him when a thing might not be a good idea. I thought you were arranging that. I thought you were doing Oh god. So we just gave him all of our money and he made a game that everyone says is slow and boring and grindy. Y- y- yeah. What what do we what do we do? What do we do? We need to fix this. Okay. Slow, boring, grindy. <laughs> Fix for that. Um, okay, have we done anything in the past that would get over something like that? Hmm, something that's slow, grindy. I think I've got it. Something that will relieve that. Yeah, what have you got? Microtransactions that let you skip to the bit of the game where there's actual action. You are a fucking genius. I know. So. <gasps> What a slithered into your ear holes. Well, you gave me a piece of music to listen to. Which means uh, we listen to a thing should we, together. Should we, should we talk about Megalovania Toby Fox Scar Punk cover? Yeah, that's a real fucking good cover. Yeah, yeah, that is that is some energetic Scar. So it's by the Scartoon Network on YouTube, so I guess technically it was a thing we watched, but it was a piece of music. Um, go watch it. It's the Megalovania Undertale Toby Fox Scarpunk cover, and it's just really well done. I always like a brass section anyway, Yeah. and it's nice to get a good brass section. Um, I, so we've got, what, trombone, trumpet, and sax in there. I, I feel like Scar-style brass and woodwind instruments go really well with... Like very fast chiptune stuff. Yes. Um, those are very compatible and like 
Megalovania is such a good example of like bouncy, punctuated yeah. uh, chip tunes that it translates really nicely to those mm-hmm. sort of scar instrument range. Definitely, like they they have done a really good job with that. The video is also like very entertaining. Oh yeah, but yeah, like um, I I of of all of the tracks from from Undertale, I don't think it's weird to say that I like. Um, Megalovania the best and and more than that like even the, the remixes of it there's so many good remixes oh that god track. yeah there's plenty of bad ones too but... yeah yeah but yeah I, I think it is a really good and really catchy tune and we had all that fun while we were waiting for the train on on Friday night we kept hearing them call for Inspector Sands Inspector Sands and we just leaned over to you like we had a good giggle what have you listened to? I listened to a couple of things. I'll mm-hmm. rattle through them nice and quick. Uh, I've been catching up on the Adventure Zone. So mm-hmm. I listened to the Adventure Zone Ballad of Bigfoot. It was so good. Uh, it's very good. Very silly. Uh, they played a different system. What was it called? Uh, uh, Bigfoot Stole My Car and also the Birthday Present in it. Yes. Whatever the system's called. Something like that. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a long old name for it. System. Yeah. It's a silly little one-page RPG. But it um, fit really nicely into Adventures and yeah. Amnesty. I very much liked Griffin playing as himself, his 11-year-old self, <laughs> 11-year-old Griffin who McElroy. also has some unexpected uh, abilities. I, I, I've I, said nothing of what, <laughs> what his unexpected abilities are. He just has some unexpected abilities. Like breaking a voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, and I started listening to uh, the first episode of the Adventure Zone Graduation, which is the new big series they're doing. Did you cry? I did a bit of a cry. I did a bit of a cry. I did a bit of a cry. You know the bit I'm talking about. Yeah, I did a bit of a cry. Also, Justin did that voice very well. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, the basic version, for anyone who's not up to speed on it, I think we mentioned it the other week, was... uh, It's it's back to 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, as opposed to Monster of the Week. And it's set in a school for... uh, Superheroes and supervillains, but but it's in the campus for uh, sidekicks and hench people. Mm. Um, y- your characters are rich, rich person that does not want, uh, does not feel they should be there. Um, big angry man who who takes shit in the woods. He's a fair bog. Yeah, he's, he's a glorious, gentle. I'm I'm gonna go forest sh- person. I'm gonna go shit in the woods. I'm not an animal. Quite right too. <laughs> um. And how would you describe the other one? Um, just wants to make friends. Yeah, just wants to be just, like, hey, I'm just, really happy to just, be here. In just this magic, thing, just magic, water boy. You want to make friends? Yeah. Uh, and the, nice to see Genasi yeah, getting out as well. Exactly. And then Alexa, the gargoyle that lives in their room, the, the Siri gargoyle. Yeah. Um, I I'm intrigued by Travis's DMing style. It, I think it helps that he's had some very talented DMs. Uh, yes, the the the, the caliber of people suggesting like when he initially rattled that off, I was like, oh okay. I I was so struck by um, Matt Mercer and Andrew uh, and, and Adam Coble. I was like, I need to go back and listen to the rest of those names again. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. So oh okay. Uh yeah. Um, this is gonna be good. I reckon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it, and I am very ready to hear more of that series. I hope. I don't know how I want to listen to it, because I really struggled with Amnesty. And that yeah. was the first uh, Taz that I'd listened to, like, as it was coming out. And I think I mentioned this yeah. before, like, 
I listened to Balance. It was almost finished by the time I've done. They were like nearly 60 episodes in. And I think it's only like 64 episodes long. Yeah. So I didn't really have to wait much. Also, I th- I think that was just after lower surgery. So it was basically dilating and listen to, listening to, to Taz yeah. for three months. <laughs> so like I, I just found it an easier listen. But at the same time... It's, it's Taz, and if you don't listen to it when it happens, you're going to get a spoiled. Yeah, you have to decide whether you're... I feel like, for me, the thing that works is listen to it as it's coming out, and then once it's all finished, just go back to the start and yeah. re-go through it in a big batch. I've not had time, but I really do want to do that to Amnesty, because them boys do do, do good podcasts. Yeah. And, and good, good adventures. What about you? You listen to anything else? Uh, yeah, the only other thing I've really been listening to is... I'm still on a bit of a Michael McCormack's kick after the whole, mm. uh, well, we're about to play show. Yeah, they are. Uh, but the, the, the thing I've been doing is I've been listening to a bunch of their, like, stuff that wasn't tracks on albums. Uh, so a lot of their demo tracks oh, yeah. and sort of, uh, covers and things like that. So I just wanted to throw some, like, recommendations out of My Chemical Romance tracks that might not be the ones you know if you just sort of listen to their albums. Are these, like, the It Could Have Been Danger Days album? Uh, well, some of them Whatever are... that one's called. Yeah, so some of them are from uh, Conventional Weapons, which is basically That's... a bunch of tracks that almost were going to be uh, Black Parade tracks and got cut, um, were sort of put out, like... Basically, while Warner Brothers was trying to vamp and hide the fact that the band was going to be breaking up for a while, um, some of them are like uh, only exist as live recordings. Some of them are just weird B sides they released in Japan that never got released anywhere else. Mm. Um, so they do a great cover of uh, I believe it's a Misfits track, Astro Zombies, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really interesting little track. Uh, there is one that people j- uh, people tend to refer to as Stay. Uh, the only recording of it was a live recording, I think it was on the um, Life on the Murder Scene uh, live show, mm-hmm. where they they play a track with no name, and it is amazing, and it's beautiful, and it makes me cry, and they never made a good studio recording, and I'm like, give me a studio recording of that fucking track, please. Um, I love their rec- their cover of Common People uh, by Blur. Mm-hmm. They, got, they got a nice cover of that. Um uh, one of their really early tracks that never went anywhere is a is an old two I think it's two, like two thousand two off of their um, like Phantoms Forever. It might be a Morrissey cover. It's uh, Jack the Ripper. Uh, they do, it's it's a it's a real good track. Very like raw and angry, but I like it very much. Uh, the light behind your eyes makes me cry because there's a there's a snare drum beat that happens in it, and it sounds like a gunshot. And every time it happens, I I end up with it's one of the few bits of music that can make me have a like, ah, there is a narrative going on in my head, and oh, 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 that that's making me have feelings. Black. Um Not That Kind of Girl, which is one of their sort of demo tracks that was on the 10th anniversary uh, Welcome to the Black Parade reissue. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Surrender the Night is one I'll throw in. It was another one off of their uh, conventional weapons stuff. Um, and that that's the the main ones I've been listening to. There's there's other stuff out there, but um, yeah, it's just some of their off the beaten track tracks that I've been doing a listen on recently. Um, have you listened to anything else? Sadly, I have not really had a chance to watch, listen, or play to much this week because we were travelling, and I was like, I'll get lots of things done, and then I was helpfully reminded that I've got a new series of polyamory coming. I'm like, sorry, I'm no, no, it was important. It was important I do the thing. <laughs> 
Um, and I I just was like, okay, I will grab the the big polyamory codex book with all of my notes in it, and I'll get my notebook that I I take around everywhere with me and start transferring things and writing things up. So I've been very focused on getting that campaign together, and then it was like, we might have friends over at the weekend, and they want to play D&D for the first time in ages, slash the first time ever. I was like, okay, I need to come up with a campaign. And I have learned recently that it's not a great idea to keep setting things in the polyamory universe, because you might have to play them twice. <laughs> <laughs> so I, like, I've come up with like a whole, um, I don't know, like a one-shot for that. Possibly more, there could be possibly more, but like it's typically me, it's like rich and and there's a lot going on and there's like so much that will probably never be seen, but like in my brain it's like you've got an idea to all the things. <laughs> so, you know, when we get around to playing D and D with friends, I've gotten a whole nother thing. <laughs> yeah. And and Polyarmory is ready to start recording and if friends don't turn up this weekend Polly and Mary will probably start recording this weekend. Yeah. Mm. So, time for this. Hello, is that the pest exterminator? Yep, yep, it is. Uh, I, I, I exterminate pests, I do. Okay, well, I've got quite an infestation. Uh, right, what kind What kind you got? Is it rats? Is it bats? Is it cats? It's, it's, it's a really nasty one. I mean, it's, I'm just, I'm worried about the health implications of just this. Oh yeah, we, well we got hazmat suits, we can deal with whatever you got. What, 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 what sort of hazardous, hazardous uh, pest you got it's, going on here? It's very widespread. It's a, it's a real big problem. Oh, Quite it's, widespread. It's yeah. fine. I've got a very big vat of poison I can use to, to deal with it. Or I've got humane traps if that's what you prefer. Well, I mean... I feel like the pests aren't very humane, but at the same time, uh, we, we're no better than them if we don't do the thing. So basically what it is, my entire country seems to be just infested with Tories, oh, is I've, there? I've been getting a lot of that lately, I've been getting a lot of that. Any Anything you can do about those? Oh, see the problem. The, pro- the problem is, is when we uh, when we go in and you know just pump 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 the gas across, it it just makes more people go. Oh, you know, it, it martyrs them. It, it causes more problems doing it that so way. So you think the humane option? Well, it's more than they deserve. But uh, I'll see if I can set some humane traps. You know, I'll I'll, I'll tempt them in with uh, some budget cuts for the poor or something like that. Some some legislation to uh, legislation to cut. Uh, Housing access for the disabled. Maybe and, a uh, Russian bribe or two. Exactly. I'll just pop them in there and I'm sure we can, uh, you know, let them out somewhere else. Maybe may- maybe in the middle of the ocean. See see how well they do swimming to their offshore accounts. Well, maybe they can just cling on to their offshore account for safety. Exactly. I, I, I think I think if we let them let them out far away from any legislative uh, chambers, we'll be all right. Oh, oh God, God, uh... I think I landed okay. Well, hello, you. What year is this? Year of our Lord, fourteen ninety-two. Ah, oh, brilliant! My 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 time machine has worked. I, I I I I I'm from the future. I'm a traveler from the future. Go on. I am. I I've I've come back bearing bearing modern technology to 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 prove that I've come from the future. I, I I'm testing time travel. Hey, uh, who's this? I've have, have so look- she's come from the future. I've, I've I've got this box. Have a look at this little box in my hand. You see? What's that? Well, you see this glowing box. Uh, I can touch it. Witchcraft. Uh, no, no, no. It's technology from the future. Bloody looks like witchcraft. No, no. You see? Uh, 
we we've got to, it's a capacitive screen, so when you touch it, it's oh what? Um, how do I do this? Um, you press this button, and there's a video. What's the button, man? Uh, th- you see, do you see the people moving, the little tiny people. How did they get in there then? Uh, um, why do you keep them in a box? Are you some kind of devil? No, no, no. Uh, in in the future, I'll we- call the witch finder. In the future, we can use these to communicate across long distances. I'd call witch finder. Definitely, definitely. No, this one, this one, doing all sorts of wrong and evil things. Who knows what they'll suck us into? No, no. Um. So, so we learn in the future how to harness electricity by um having what's t- electricity? Um, it's it's power. It makes things do things. Like the king. Uh, yes, the king makes us do things too. <laughs> uh, okay, I've been plowing this field for a week now. <laughs> You know, lightning from the sky. Oh yes, yeah. So, like, when God be angry. Uh, yes, we 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 learnt how to make that and use it to power this box. Devilry. Definitely devilry. I shall get the witch finder myself. Witch finder, <sighs> Dave, Dave the witch finder, Dave, 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 Dave. See, Dave. if you were in the future, you could use one of these to contact your witch finder, but. Questions, sir. Let's have a questions. What's the question? We have questions. Oh, oh my howdy, we have questions. And I shall ask you these questions now. <gasps> my husband would like to know, what are some cheap solo board or card games that you can recommend? Hmm, solo ones. Yeah. Hmm, I've not played a lot of solo ones. Have you got any recommendations on this from? I mean, not specifically solo games, but of the games that we have that can be played single player like Clank oh yeah Clank you have standard Clank which has the app so you can do um, you can just play through it with I think you might even be able to have multiple like extra people yeah Uh, or you can play specifically in a single player game where it will do stuff yeah. In response to you. You've got a sort of story mode you can play through solo. That's for Clank in Space. There okay. Is, there is a, a full story mode campaign yeah. where you play through, I think it's like eight games, and then you get like an overall score for the thing, and what bits you collect sometimes yeah. will uh, make a difference, and sometimes missions will end in places you don't expect them yeah. to. But yeah, Clank in, but, in general with its companion app. Yeah. Playing with the, the companion, Renegade have done a really good job with that companion app. Mm. It adds so much to that game, and like it doesn't cost anything, so it's really nice that 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 is still an option. And I think there's also one for Clank Sunken Treasure. So if you have that expansion for the first game, you can like do a a solo mode or add extra players to a multiplayer party. Party. And the other good things about those is that you can try out at some point if you want to do uh, like with other people because it is up to four player game um, I haven't tried it yet but uh, Book It which we mentioned last yeah, week the, the wrestling yeah. one that has a single player mode I haven't tried it yet I really want to because I'm curious about how yeah. that works in single player but generally, I don't have a lot of experience well, with on, those. Honestly, my I I I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, Clank and Clank in Space are two that 
deck builders with a board that you can play solo. Yeah, that's a good pick. Becky Tuhill. Hi, Becky. Hi. We'd like to know uh, what your favourite outfits are of your own and each other's. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, favourite outfit of my own is probably that that one black dress I have that's sort of like got the sort of um, bunched up bit in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um that is just, it's really flattering on me, and it's the one that I always do if I'm doing interviews and stuff, where I'm like, oh, I'm, 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 people are going to be looking at me. I feel, I feel beautiful in it. You are beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's one that feels flattering on me. Do you have a favourite on yourself? I used to. Yeah? But, like, A, I've put on weight, and B, that outfit is now, like, nearly ten years, or, like, the t-shirt that goes with that outfit is nearly ten years old. Um and is starting to to fade and have changed colours and not look great anymore. Um, it's a t-shirt I designed myself. It's yellow, but has mm. gone a really weird dark mustard colour because it keeps getting washed with like dark colours and sucking up all them colours. So it's it's just not a love a nice colour to look at anymore. But it's got like a big open mouth on it with uh, an LSD molecule on oh, the tongue yes, in rainbows yes. and in like really hippie text in in rainbows that's really difficult to read. Which is great if you want to wear it to like a family event. It just says taste the rainbow. Yeah. Um, and I've got some like white uh white. I've got some orange and purple and red festival trousers mm. that like. Yeah, just so comfortable and baggy, and it's a really nice outfit for pulling in, um, and I really like that. What about an outfit you like on me? I really like you in your uh, your your whites, your big whites outfit. Ah, my red um, outfit. Yeah, because I associate it with you being like, I'm ready. I'm gonna dance my heart out. It's <laughs> it it is your. I am ready to bust some moves and have a great time outfit. And it just, it makes me smile because you always seem to have such a great time when, you, when you're like, I'm, 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 pu- I'm pulling that one out tonight, we're doing the whites. It's the, I don't know what to wear. I don't necessarily know where I'm going. But if I'm going somewhere with like lots of lighting, it's nice to wear like a plain white outfit yeah. because you pick up all of the like the yeah. the like and, flashy lights and, and things. And you make a really fun jangle, the sort of jingle oh, jangle yes, sound. Oh yes, the top has um a, a design I did that looks sort of like a, a palm tree, but with googly eyes. But with googly eyes. So if you run up and downstairs in it, it sounds like one of those rainmakers. It it, it sounds the sound of that outfit is us having a nice night out together, and it makes me really happy. Uh, what about you? Have you got a favourite outfit on me? Uh, you look really hot in derby gear. Um, <laughs> specifically with the tracer leggings. Oh yeah, so the like ones... your blue bomber top with yeah. the the tracer leggings, and then like all of your your crash pads. Yeah, it's very hot. Tee hee hee. Oh, those tracer leggings, particularly with all the pads, they do accentuate my arse. They really do. I think the first time, <laughs> the first time you took yeah. me to to roller derby, one of your derby friends who wasn't skating that night, um, just, just sort of leaned over to someone else on the bench and just went, "Blue's got a really nice arse in those leggings." <laughs> like, yep, yes, she do. Yeah, yeah. I think I know who that was. I, I believe I know who that was. <laughs> I believe it was the other colour mm-hmm. yep, name related yep. skater. Yep. yep, yep, that was them. Uh, Crimson. Hi, Crimson. Uh, what is your favourite hot drink? 
Oh, oh. I, I'm a big sucker for a good, like, cinnamon and apple hot drink. Mm. Like, you know, like a, like a cinnamon apple. Snapple. E- e- either, like, just, like, an apple juice or a cider. Like, something that is very sweet, apple with, you know, like, wintry spices in it. Spice me Served up. hot is lovely. Mm-hmm. You? Hmm. Probably hot chocolate or mm. a mocha. Yeah. Like, something nice and creamy and a little bit sweet. Not too sweet. Yeah. Uh, maybe with a bit of vegan squirty cream on it. Ooh. I don't mind squirty cream as long as you're not dairy, because yeah. a I don't drink dairy, but also that that weird cloying thing at the oh, back of your throat yeah. that I really hate with with cream. Uh, tricky. Hi, tricky. Hi. Uh, tricky demand smudge news. What is the latest on smudge? Smudge is a is very parity at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Smudge, Smudge was the other day very, very eager to get second dinner, <laughs> um, and has been doing a lot of wanting to be a shoulder parrot cat, sort yeah. of, sort of be water, be like a scarf around your neck, up on your shoulders. She is adorable and yeah. very soft and cozy. She did many, many shouts this morning when she, she, she ran downstairs because she thought we were going to give her second breakfast. And we're like, no. So we went upstairs, shut the door, and then she was shouting at the door like, Let me in, I have cuddles. I've recognised I'm not getting second breakfast. I want cuddles. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question. Uh, well, I'm not going to use the shiny number rocks, but uh, using the standard set, I think <laughs> we will. Um, what would be your stats as if you were a D&D character? Ooh, ooh. So what's your strength? You can have, uh, you've got those, those are your number choices. Oh, strength is, uh, eight. Yeah. The, the weakest one, strength. Okay, dex. I feel like uh, you've got quite high dex. Oh, no, I feel like I've got low dex. I've got really poor coordination and spatial awareness. Yeah, and... but you can, like, run and, and leap out of the way and things. Uh, uh, let, let... Well, that's why I think it's above strength. It's like, it's gonna be a... It's definitely above strength. It's, it's, it's maybe a, maybe a... Sh- sh- maybe 12? Okay. Yep, so you got, you got a plus one in that. Yeah. So, Constitution. Uh, Constitution, we're going to fill in that ten, because mm-hmm. I I am constantly slightly upset of stomach, and I am very bad with with, with stomaching certain textures, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I have a lot of sensory issues that I think would be poor Constitution. Okay. Intelligence. Um, oh, now I feel really... I'm going to feel really, <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give myself a high number in this because then it's too late. You've got to use the yeah. standard set. Okay. Uh, what what have I got? Uh, I've I've gone for like oh these things I've got low stats in there. Look at the other side. Like, oh god, those two <laughs> so much worse than the um, other ones. <laughs> okay, I'm putting my fifteen in intelligence. I I I don't think I'm that smart, but also like I feel like it's probably the best of the stats. I think you're a plus two intelligence. Okay, we whiz whiz uh, maybe the 13? Okay. So and then charisma 14? Am I charismatic? Yes. Okay. You're very attractive. <laughs> charisma is not... Talking a... to... It is. <laughs> it's the talking skills. And also attractiveness mm. does fall into that. Yeah. Yeah. I... I... You're hot and, and good at talks to people. Uh, what? Wait, where would you put your numbers on there? Oh, um... Hmm... Right, so charisma eight, wisdom. I feel like wisdom is the one I get com- commented on most, yeah. so I'm going to put the fifteen into wisdom, but maybe the ten into intelligence. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> I do dumb things. But I, I've collected some, some knowledge and sometimes I can use it well, or at least distribute it to other people, even if I can't do it myself. Uh, let's see. Uh, insert, yeah. Constitution. That's a big one. Uh, so I got the, the the fourteen in that, I guess, because I can eat most things and and keep it down, or at least not be too ill from it. Yeah. Uh, so that leaves me with me um, dexterity twelve and strength ten. Yeah. I'm just pretty average. Yeah. The the intelligence fifteen. The way I would put that for me is. I know a lot of fats. I know a lot of book fats. Can I apply them in any way that is useful? No, but I know a lot of things because my brain likes fats. 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 <laughs> uh, uh, right now, Val. Hi, right now. Hi. Do you prefer Sturbot? Sturbot. Do you prefer Sturbot? Do you prefer store-bought or homemade hot chocolate? Oh, uh, homemade. Mm. Homemade because you can... You can you can pile in as many vegan marshmallows as you want, and you can, you can fanny about with it yeah. until it's just the right. Exactly, you can really you you can tailor it to your tastes as opposed to the generic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna the gardener, hi Anna. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a way of stopping flashing gifts from auto playing on timelines? Uh, as I understand it, you go to settings, data usage, and then under uh, videos, you should be able to set auto play to never. I believe that covers GIFs as well. Indeed. And if you still have trouble, maybe try tweeting uh, Indie Gamer Chick on Twitter, who is a person who has epilepsy and does a lot of disability uh, advocacy stuff, who might be able to point you in the right direction, because I know they do a lot of trying to avoid flashing images. So Normal. maybe they can help if, if if our advice doesn't stop GIFs. Uh-huh. Uh, Eric Bailey would like to know, what is the ideal angle? Um... Like one degree, because that's very much acute angle. You're a cutie pie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very acute. It's you're, acute you're angle. You're the most acute. <laughs> uh, oh, I was going to say 45 degrees because it's just, just handy. <laughs> oh, oh, so acute. Um, 90 degrees, also very handy. But, but fuck it, let's go. 69. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> it's the sex angle. <laughs> and I'm always looking for the sex angle. <laughs> Craze. Hi, Craze. Uh, how would you judge a smelling competition? Poorly. My sense of smell is bad. Yes, I Unless it is a smell that is overwhelming me. In which case, very, very well. Indeed. But I would give it a 0% because it's too much. I, I am very bad at smelling things until I can smell everything. <laughs> Uh, I love Dedu Molino. Molinaro? I love Dedu Molinaro. Hi! Hi! (laughs) Uh, Do you have different playlists for different occasions? And if so, which occasions and how many? Oh, I have a couple of music playlists. Um, I've got the I'm feeling like sort of uh, introspective uh, playlist where it's a lot of like slightly angsty introspective tracks. I've got the I want to get pumped up and, like, I, I need something positive and, like, go, 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 I can do this, I can do this. Um, What other playlists have I got? I've got the I'm feeling sad and I need to just let the tears out playlist. Uh, I've got a couple of playlists. What about you? I don't tend to use playlists. I have mixes. Yeah. Like, which I suppose is technically a playlist, but it's like I will go on to, like, 
find a particular artist that I like or a particular DJ that does a good mix and, and I like their selections. Yeah. And I, I guess they each have their own moods. Yeah. Like, there, there's some I particularly like for, like, rainy days on trains, especially yeah. if, like, on the way back from a rave. Yeah. There's, like, a couple of mixes I very often play, like, hey, the sun's out, it's time to drink pims and dance around. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess there there is that aspect. Um... Shock One's uh, Universus preview oh, yeah. that was done on the Panda Drum and Bass channel. Um, I'm trying to think of the others. Oh, um, Shambhala Fractal Forests. I don't know who that was, but I really like that mix. Uh, oh, that recent one from Father Funk. Oh, the yes. Shambhala. I think that was a Shambhala mix as well. Mm. They play good music at Shambhala. Uh, yeah, I think that's all of them. And also all of the questions. So, <gasps> time for this. Yeah. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? I want to see more Brochal Justice Warriors. Brochal Justice Warriors? Yeah. All right, Larry. All right, Barry, how are you doing? Oh, not too bad, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. How's your week, mate? Yeah, not too bad. You know, it was a lot of uh, travelling at the weekend, so uh, still recovering a bit from that. But uh, yeah, you know, not too bad. You uh, you've been up to much? Uh, you know, you know how it is. I've been uh, watching uh, watching social media, seeing how my friends been doing. Yeah, yeah, and much, yeah. much going on. Well, yeah, I, I, saw, I saw someone I knew was having a bit of trouble this week, and he, he got me thinking. It did. Uh, so I I know I, I, uh, I know someone who uh, enjoys enjoys rock music, enjoys going to rock shows uh, yeah. quite a lot. And they're also uh, someone who is a wheelchair user. Oh right. Uh, you know they're not they're not a, a full time wheelchair user. They uh, they are able to stand sometimes, but it's a, it's a difficult process and something that not really uh, a, a rock show is not really a good venue for them. To be no, 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 no. They're not terribly stable on their feet. You know they can't be on their feet a the long time. Yeah, might so, get up and have a bit of a sway, but that will probably only last you know a couple of minutes or so, and they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll need that option to sit again. Exactly. So. When they go, uh, when they go to rock shows, they tend to be very sort of like, okay, okay, uh, they'll, they'll call up the venue in advance and go, is it possible for me to get up to you know where the stage is? Uh, do you allow wheelchairs on the on the floor itself? What sort of height is your uh, your sort of barrier at the front and that sort of thing? And unfortunately, they they've uh, recently had a few, quite a few incidents where. Uh, what they've been told in advance has not lined up with the venue when they've gotten there. They've had incidents no. of, uh, you know, being told, oh yeah, you're welcome, you're welcome, we'll sort you out. And, uh, you know, they've been placed in a back corner, being told they're not allowed to have their wheelchair on the uh, on the floor where everyone else is. Uh, you know, just incidents of uh, being made to feel like an afterthought. You know, they might, right. you know, they may well be, you know, at the venue six hours early, excited to be front and barrier, and then be told, oh, that's, a, that's a health and safety risk. We've got to put you over here behind this pillar out of the way. You know, stuff like this. And uh, Yes, I mean, that's totally unacceptable, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they, they paid for, paid, paid for a ticket to go, and, you know, they, they deserve as much right as anyone else to it, enjoy the show properly, exactly. to experience that. Yeah, and... It got me. It got me thinking about uh, it, uh, poor experiences that disabled people sometimes have with uh, with going out and enjoying these kind of things. Because like, it, it's not just stuff like wheelchair users. You got uh, people with epilepsy are often uh, given really uh, either inaccurate or uh, not given at all information about strobe lighting. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or flashing lights in general. Yeah, obviously. flashing lights in general. Because apparently a big issue there is. Uh, the the venue's often not aware of it until the night, like you know, that the act shows up. 
which, right. you know, is an explanation. It's not an excuse. Yeah. Um, that you'll sometimes have someone be told, oh, no, no, there's no flashing lights, there's no flashing lights. Flashing lights start happening. It can be a real problem. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And the other one that you see a lot of is uh, people who, who need the help of carers to be able to attend uh, venues. And usually yeah. usually that's something that most venues will go, that's okay, you can bring your carer, you don't have to have an extra ticket for them. yeah. It's not a problem. It's an accommodation, a reasonable accommodation for disabled people to be able to enjoy, you know, live events. Yeah, but sadly, that's not always the case. I mean, I was, uh, it was, it was less about live events, but I remember one recently about flights, and they yeah. particularly were saying, you know, you have to have a carer to come on 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 our flights, but they weren't willing to put on, uh, you know, weren't willing to fly that person yeah. who you've demanded to be there. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Yeah, there was there was a really horrible one I was reading the other day where um, someone accidentally got CC'd in on a um, on a conversation with some venue staff because right. uh, they'd emailed the venue going, "Look, is it right if my you know my carer is there? They will require a receipt. I can't really attend without them." And they got CC'd in, back in a reply from the venue, you know, talking about themselves, you know, slagging this person off, going. Oh, this is a scam they're probably running, trying to get someone in for free, or, you know, just really giving them an undeserved uh, hassle. Just, just unnecessary discrimination. Exactly. Um, um, is there any comeback on that? Uh, it is being looked into by the company, Good. but right now it's a bit of a mess. But it, these are all things where it's like, the answers are really simple. Just, for, as a venue, uh, bear in mind that disabled people want to, where possible, you know, have the full experience and, you know, try and make sure that that's a thing you can accommodate as opposed to shoving them off to the side. Make sure that you have accurate information or if you don't, be willing to go, we recognise that you asked in advance, we can't accommodate you properly, therefore we will refund you and apologise and, you know, we'll actually, we'll go out of our way to do it properly. At the same time, like, I feel like it should be a thing that they make an effort for. Like, you know, if they're going to have bands in... Say, look, we are going to have we we make ourselves an accessible yeah. uh, location for all sorts of people. We need to know upfront and and locked in as the definite answer. Is there going to be flashing lights, yeah. strobes, things like that? The, yeah, these are things that should be uh, should be defaults, and it's a shame that they're not more standardised. And I think that yeah. we need to make sure that we we make more of an effort to make sure that people can can have informed knowledge before attempting to go to venues, whether they will be able to. Absolutely. Do you want a hug? Yeah, I'm very up for a hug, mate. Ah, <sighs> oh, good on, mate. Good on, good on, good on. Shall I uh, pop the kettle on? Yeah, have that cup of tea. Oh, it's nice. Laura? Yes? Where can we find you on the internet, darling? Laura K. Buzz in most of those places. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. LauraKBuzz.com, that is where links to everything I post ends up. What about Zelda's? Uh, Zelda's? Zelda's to all the things you put up. Just the oh, links. links and Zelda. Okay, you've 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 stumbled me flow. Well, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, so if you keep an eye on Twitch and YouTube at the moment, I'm going to be doing a full playthrough of the story mode of Pokemon Sword, and then doing a bunch of uh, live streams of shiny hunting. So if you want to see 
those episodes like being recorded as I make them, uh, follow me on Twitch. And if you want to see them as like edited down episodes where I sort of cut out any of the filler and just sort of jump uh, between the the important bits, check out YouTube. Uh, both of those are Laura K Buzz. You can find my review of Planet Zoo and Disco Elysium over on Polygon. You can find a bunch of my stuff over on Sci-Fi Fangirls. Um, I've got some books. Uh, Uncomfortable Labels is a book about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. That is available now where books are sold, or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. And then there is Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which now has a release month. It may not be as soon as had been hoped, but it is. It, we have a, we have a month now. It's going to be releasing to the general public in October 2020. Uh, spring 2020, it should be going to the uh, the printers and starting to get printed. Um, anyone with physical Unbound backer awards should get those at the same time as their physical book, which should be a bit ahead of when the uh, the the public releases. So. Mm, this isn't fun, but maybe September next year. Expect to have your stuff show up if yeah. you're a, if you're an unbound backer. Um, I'm an unbound backer, but I have a feeling that I'll be seeing my signed copy here. Hee hee hee. Well, before <laughs> well, the the way things work, I think it will come here. I'll sign it and then have to send it away so it can come back here <laughs> because logistics. Mm. Um, but yeah, I apologise that's... for the carbon footprint of my book. Yeah. <laughs> well, if if you would like to check out a, a a illustrated coffee table book of serious and silly video game character butt reviews, that's things I learned from Mario's butt. It's got a bunch of developer interviews. It's got a bunch of guest critics, including uh, Justin McElroy, Jim Sterling, uh, Greg Miller, uh, Brian Altano, Max Scoville, Tim Gettis. Uh, a bunch of developers are involved. It's got a bunch of cool people. But. Butt developers. There's there's a man who makes intricately detailed monster buttholes in like a well-known video game. It's quite a book. Um, other than that, Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. One season three, four, five, and six. There is Pixel Squirt, which is a video game porn review podcast. Podquisition. We talk about video games and whether they're perfect or just great, and also lefty politics a bit. And I think that's it. What about you, Jane? I'm Maniac. Janiac on Twitter and YouTube. I'm Janiac on Twitch. I'm on SoundCloud.com as Jane Aris Magnet, where you might be listening to this now. The most important, super awesome one, though, is my lovely Patreon people. That's patreon.com slash stonedmonkeyradio. Also, there's stonedmonkeyradio.blog, where I write things. And if you ever fancy just sending me some money as a one-off, you know, to help pay for the, all the things... And maybe that big box of Magic the Gathering cards I could open on the stream sometime. That's paypal.me slash Jane Magnet. So, Laura. <gasps> Laura. Yes. Serious question. Can you sing us out, darling? <gasps> Until next time, be a stranger. Success! What happened to you? I flicked myself in the nipple. <laughs>